Truth and Transcendence. Brought to you by Yes, You Now with Catherine Llewellyn. Truth and Transcendence, episode 83. So today I'd like to introduce you to a writer called Gareth Morgan, who wrote a wonderful book called Images of Organisation, which I came across when I was studying on my humanistic master's degree back in the late 90s. One of the things I'd noticed working with clients over the, over the decades was that whatever it was that somebody wanted to work on, whatever their purpose was in doing the personal development and professional development they were embarked on, one of the elements that was part and parcel of everything they needed to, to consider was their organisation. And as part of that, they needed to have an understanding of their organisation and of different dynamics around that in order to be able to make choices and decisions that were going to work out well. And I remember people coming to me and saying, okay, what's the best way to improve organisational culture? Or what's the best way to increase performance? Or what's the best way to deal with problems and issues in personnel? And so on and so forth. I I imagine anyone listening to this can probably reel off a whole list of questions and issues in regard to their organisation. Well, maybe not their organisation now, but organisations over the years. And when people ask these questions, very often they were hoping that I was going to give them the answer and that I was going to be able to tell them the best way to do these things. And I, I remember discovering that actually there were some very, very clever and interesting modalities and techniques and methods that were really, that were worth understanding and, and worth in some cases trying out. But the thing I discovered underneath that was that in the absence of, of a really sensitive and nuanced understanding and appreciation of the nature of the organization in question, and then superior to that almost, an understanding of the nature of organizations in general and how organizations tend to flourish and produce and deliver and expand and grow. Without those two things, the the very specific uh, understanding of a particular organization and the wider wisdom around organizations in general, without that, it was impossible to choose accurately what it is that needs to be done. And I imagine that anyone listening to this will have heard of, if if they haven't experienced, how in the 80s and 90s, organisations used to spend an enormous amount of money on sheep dips and one-size-fits-all and the latest fad, the latest trend of what's the most sensible, intelligent thing to do with your organisation. And very often the results were disappointing because these programs were not tailored to the actual organisation. And I also remember clients saying to me, well, surely the only difference between a tailored program and an untailored program is that the tailored program is much more expensive and also more, more experimental because it's been tailored specifically. So it's not based on tried and, tried and tested methods. So, they, people who said that hadn't really got hold of the idea 
that there's a very interesting piece of understanding around an individual organization that can be brought to bear when you're thinking of what's the actual, what's actually the most economical, strategic, leveraged way to intervene into the system. I even remember one client saying to me, well, Catherine, we want to make a significant change. This was a massive organization. There were about 9,000 people in it. And they wanted to transition from a large number of sites to a much smaller number of sites, some of which would be in, in entirely new locations. And they wanted to do this whilst keeping their best people, being humane with their people, uh, and delivering that this was a cost uh, unit. This was not a profit bait. This was not a profit and loss organization. It was a, a division of a larger organization. And it had a cost base rather than a profit and loss. They wanted to reduce their costs at the same time, even though this particular project was going to be very expensive. And um, I said, yeah, of course, I can help you with that. Uh, let me come and sit in on some of your conferences that you're doing for your senior management, which I did. And let me have a chat with your HR people and let me do some interviews with some of your board members, which I did. And I got a sense of what they were already doing and what they were planning to do. And I sat down with my client and he said, right, tell me, is there more we should be doing? And I said, for God's sake, please do not do more than you're already doing. You're already doing too many things several of which are entirely unsuited to your, to your particular organisation and several of which are not being properly applied. So th this there was a scattergun approach going on that was very expensive with lots of consultants and trainers running around and lots of HR people involved and IT people and business process people involved. And a lot of it was a complete waste of money. So I said, let's have a look at all these things you're doing and let's pare it down to the things which are relevant and let's look at how you can do them really well. But before we can do that, let's do some research into your organisation. And that's just one example of many, many situations where what I was doing was saying to, to clients, let's pause, you know, keep doing what you're doing for the moment, but let's pause on putting new things in place until we've actually done a bit of inquiry into your organisation. So why I uh, am talking about Richard Morgan today is because he came up with a whole variety of ways of actually perceptually conceiving of an organisation. So one of these, and this is possibly the, the earliest one that people got a handle on, was the idea of thinking of the organisation as, as if it's a machine. And if it's a machine, you can dial it up, dial it down, put more fuel into it, tune it, mechanistic interventions. And th there is some value to that, absolutely some value to that. But on its own, it's not nearly as effective as, as some of the other ways of perceiving of organisations. And the one I want to talk about today is considering an organisation as an organism. So when you think about an organisation in that way, you're thinking more about the biology of it. And you might think, well, what do you mean? And by that, I mean, if you think of a human being, okay, some people think of human beings as if they are machines, where you can press a button and turn a dial and, you know, put a pill in and things will, things will change the way you want them to change. But actually, we know human beings 
are infinitely more complex than that. They are organisms. If you think about uh, an organization and think of it, 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 it is a lot of human beings all involved together and think of it as an organism in its own right, like a kind of meta organism. That can actually set off some really interesting lines of thinking. So here are some prompts for lines of thinking in, in relation to that. So if you consider that your organization is an open system. So it's a system in as much as there are things that work together and affect one another and one thing leads to another and there are dependencies and there are processes. But if you think of it as an open system, that means that the system is being affected by what's happening outside of it and is also affecting what's happening outside of it. And it's also being affected by the fact that there are entities coming into the organization and entities going out of the organization. So uh, I used to go and sit in large glass and steel and brick buildings in reception waiting to go in and have a meeting. And I would sit there and watch everybody coming in and out and watching how people were dealt with by the reception staff and watching how the reception staff responded to how they were dealt with by the people coming in and how at that interface, change was occurring. People were being affected just literally at that interface in the reception area. And then I'd see people go in and come back out later, having had a meeting, looking different because they'd had an experience. It had gone well, it had gone badly, it had been interesting, it had been confusing, it had been clarifying, whatever it was. They were changed, they were affected by it. Now, if this sounds like an exaggeration, I, I was sitting there very quietly with no other agenda and nothing else to distract me. So I could really hone my perceptive acuity, if you like, in observing these people coming in and out. And I could witness almost like a kind of osmotic layer between the edge of the organization and what exists outside of the organization and how items and, and entities were passing through that osmotic layer in and out. And therefore, on the inside, the organization is being changed and the organization is changing those elements that come in and go out again. Now, this might sound a bit sort of visceral and biological and squirmy and awkward as a way of thinking about it. And we might prefer to think of organizations as nice, clean machine entities that function like a well-oiled machine. So I'm inviting you to take a slightly different perspective here. And by the way, I'm aware that these ideas have been around for a, a few decades now. So you may already have fully embraced this notion. If you have, then I invite you really just to reflect on the things I'm saying in, in regard to it. See if that adds anything to your perspective and maybe even re renew your own efforts in regard to educating other people in this perspective, because it's extremely valuable. It can give rise to a whole different set of sensitivities when we're dealing with our organizations. The second idea is within this context of organizations as organisms is the process of adapting organizations to environments. So if I move house to a different location, let's say I move from a city into the countryside, I need to adapt. I need to make sure that I have uh, Wellington boots that work. I need to get a special walking jacket. Um, I need to 
um, sort out any drafts, make sure that I've got a good source of wood burning logs. You know, there are all sorts of things one does when one moves into the countryside. Equally, if I move from the countryside into the city, I may need, want to put in some soundproofing in my property. I may want to increase the security of my property. There's a whole, I may, may, may want to discover where are the parks, where are the countryside walks that are not too far away. I need to adapt. Same thing with an organisation. Your organisation is in an environment right now. And even if your organisation is not going to move location and it's just going to stay where it is, your environment around the organisation is always undergoing change. And so there's always an important aspect to do with recognising and understanding those changes happening in the environment and adapting to those in the way that an organism would do, almost biologically. The third notion within this is organisational life cycles. So again, as with a human being who, who moves through birth, infancy, early childhood, later childhood, early puberty, adolescence, early adulthood, middle adulthood, later adulthood, and finally death. And there are a whole series of phases that we go through. And there are certain types of support and understanding and experience and so forth that are relevant and appropriate at those different stages of our life cycle. Same is true for an organisation. So is your organisation in its infancy? Is it in its late childhood? Is it in its adolescence? Is it in its old age? Or everything else in between? Now, what can complicate matters with this is sometimes a portion of the organisation is in a different stage of life cycle from the rest of the organisation. And have you noticed how that can generate challenges and problems and issues? I, I remember noticing things particularly because back in the 80s, I was involved with a number of organisations who were installing call centres. And these were often large buildings with a lot of people who spent their whole, whole time on the telephone. And there was a particular energy and a particular management style and a particular uh, working process that was appropriate and relevant for these call centres that was very different from the host organisation. And there were all sorts of challenges in terms of the interface between those two, you know, the, the new component of the organisation and the host organisation, a bit like a transplant. Same applies with joint ventures, mergers and acquisitions. So looking at organisational life cycles can be extremely helpful because as we know in the case of a human being, you can't do all of your growth all at once. And many is the time I've thought to myself, if only I knew what I know now when I was 14, I could have really shown them. I could have really answered those questions uh, much better than I did. I could have responded to those situations much better than I did. Well, the point is, I couldn't have responded to those situations better then because then what I was supposed to be doing was living them as they were then. And it was because I, I did that that I now have the wisdom I have today. And the same is true for organisations. They, um, An organisation cannot be a mature organisation when it's not. A startup has to be a startup until it's not. 
So recognizing and respecting where our organization is in its life cycle is, is very useful. Fourthly, factors influencing organizational health and development. So what are the factors that influence the health and development of your organization? What are the factors that are already influencing those things? And this again is an interesting question because it can be tempting to answer that question very, very quickly and say, well, it's obviously the economy, um, the regulations, the uh, environment, um, the political situation. Okay, yes, all of those things are true, but there are all sorts of other factors, perhaps slightly more under the surface that are affecting the health and development of the organisation. Then we've got different species of organisation. And this is fascinating. Depending on what market you're in, the species of organisation that you have needs to fit. And if you, if you, if you, um, diversify significantly, then perhaps the species of organisation that you have needs to diversify as well, or maybe not. And this is quite a, a, a long inquiry looking at this. And then finally, the relations between species and their ecology. So if we look at, if we look at nature, the natural world, each species, if that's a word, each species has a different way of relating to its ecology. Some species build nests. Some people don't. Some species don't. Um, some species uh, are nomadic. Some stay where they are. Some can only live in the river. Some can only live in the soil. Some can only live in the trees. Some can move around. So how your particular organization, what species is it and how does it relate with its ecology? So all I've done there is I've given you a little bit from the introduction to one of the chapters in this marvelous book, Images of Organization. And even for what I've said today, I think you could have quite an interesting conversation with your board about some of those questions and explore them. I would also encourage you, if, if this does take your fancy and if it feels to you intuitively that this way of looking at your organisation is fruitful, then it's well worth actually turning it into a project to, in a way, it's a, it's a piece of research and a piece of exploration which can very, very fruitfully be done. So thank you for listening to this episode once again. And I uh, I often say this, do go back and listen to other episodes as well, because there are all sorts of different perspectives offered here. And something I absolutely love to do with, with absolutely no obligation is to chat with people about their organisation, sometimes looking at some of these questions in terms of what's true for your organisation right now, can you see it as an organism and how, how can you understand it as an organism? Where do you want to take it this year or next year or over the next five years? And how are you planning to do that? So if you'd like to have a conversation with me about that, you can click the link in the show notes and arrange a time for a chat. And I think you might find that quite interesting. So thanks again. Have a wonderful week and I will see you next time. You've been listening to Truth and Transcendence, the regular weekly podcast from Yes, You Now with Catherine Llewellyn. For more information, head to yesyounow.today forward slash 
Podcast.